Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. Today is Tuesday, and this is the 25th week after Pentecost. I thank God that we're able to be together in prayer this morning. And now we begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving, and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God, and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from 1 Samuel chapter 26. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, David is hiding on the hill of Hakalah, which is opposite of Jeshimon. So Saul rose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul encamped on the hill of Hakalah, which is opposite Jeshimon, Besides the road, but David remained in the wilderness. When he learned that Saul had come after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies and learned that Saul had indeed arrived. Then David set out and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay with Abner, son of Ner, the commander of his army. Saul was lying within the encampment while the army was encamped around him. Then David said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zeruai, who will go down with me? Into the camp with Saul. Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai went down to the army by night. There Saul lay sleeping within the encampment, with his spear stuck in the ground at his head, and Abner and the army lay around him. Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand today. Now, therefore, let me pin him to the ground with one stroke of the spear. I will not strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can raise his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him down. On his day, on his day will come to die, or he will uh, go down into battle and perish. And the Lord forbid that I should raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. But now take the spear that is at his head and the water jar and let us go. 
So David took the spear that was at Saul's head and the water jar, and they went away. No one saw it or knew it, nor did anyone awake, for they were asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Then David went over to the other side and stood up on top of a hill far away, with a great distance between them. David called to the army and to Abner, son of Ner, saying, Abner, will you not answer? Then Abner replied, Who are you that calls to the king? David said to Abner, Are you not a man who is like you in Israel? Why have you then not kept watch over your lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your lord the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the lord lives, you deserve to die, because you have not kept watch over your lord, the lord's anointed. See now, where is the king's spear, or where the water jar that was at his head? Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is this your voice, my son David? David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he added, Why does my lord pursue his servant? For what have I done? What guilt is on my hands? Now therefore let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If it is the lord who has stirred you up against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is mortals, may they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out today from my share in the heritage of the Lord, saying, Go, serve other gods. Now therefore do not let my blood fall on the ground away from the presence of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea, like one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have done wrong. Come back, my son David, for I will never harm you again, because my life was precious in your sight today. I have been a fool, and I have made a great mistake. David replied, Here is the spear, O king. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for his righteousness and faithfulness, for the Lord gave you into my hand today, but I would not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. As your life was precious today in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord, and may he rescue me from all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be you, my son David. You will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went his way, and Saul returned to his place. It seems like we've heard this story before, or something similar. In chapter 24, David has the opportunity to kill Saul in the cave, but he resists the temptation, and in the process demonstrates David's great righteousness and faithfulness. Now, once again, we have the story of David sparing Saul's life. This time, Saul and his general Abner are sleeping, and they're sleeping a deep, God-induced sleep. God really, once again, gives Saul into David's hands. In the story, though, we find that David is accompanied by his kin and most loyal companions, and that they take the initiative by spying out Saul's position and planning this daring raid on the camp. We are told that it is the Lord that has put the camp into such a deep sleep so that Saul is vulnerable and David is free to do as he wishes. But once again, David resists the temptation and he orders others in his company to restrain from harming Saul. Instead, he takes Saul's spear, that ever-present symbol of Saul's great power and authority. On more than one occasion, Saul has tried to kill David with that same spear. When David calls out to Saul, it will be the last time that the two of them speak. And in Saul's final word to David, we hear a blessing spoken on him. It is as if, like Jacob, first gained the birthright and then later Isaac's blessing. 
David already holds the claim to the throne. He already has the birthright that God has promised him. And now he receives Saul's blessing as well. David does not return to Saul like Jacob. He will take the blessing and then flee to a foreign land. But central to this final meeting between David and Saul is once again establishing God's faithful keeping of covenant. He does not consider the crown as something to be grasped by his own power, but as a gift that will come from the Lord, who will, in God's own time and God's own way, establish his kingdom. It is the Lord, the God of Israel, who has been at work in this rivalry between David and Saul. Yet even though this is the one to whom the Lord has has been well pleased, with whom the Lord has been well pleased, David has not lifted up his hand against the Lord's anointed, but instead has trusted in the Lord to bring all things to completion in God's good time and according to the God's good will. This has been an important part in this volume, just as Jesus' innocence and righteousness and faithfulness before God and before human beings is important to the gospel. That Jesus does not use violence or lift up his hand in force to overthrow the powers of this world who threaten him is significant. It speaks of the righteousness of Jesus' own faith, and it shows us how to follow Jesus and in following Jesus, to learn as people after God's own heart. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the communion of faith within your church, and for the gift of relationships with others. For what else or for who else are we thankful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all of your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, and especially we pray for the people of St. Paul's Lutheran Church. We pray for those who govern the nations of the world, for the people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, for all who are striving to save this earth from carelessness and destruction. 
For what else or for who else do we pray? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you and keep you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.